The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hi, I'm Chelsea Handler. Welcome to Life Will Be the Death of Me, a production of iHeartRadio. Oh, good afternoon. Hello, Brandon. Hello, Chelsea. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do, do we have any updates? We've had a lot of updates, actually. I got some new rugs installed this week. People just need to check out your Instagram, at Chelsea Handler, to keep up with everything going on in your life, because... There's a lot happening at the house. And I'm home. I've been in L.A. for a while. And that, I know, irks you because you're ready for me to go away. And luckily, I have a trip coming up this weekend. Isn't yeah. that right? <laughs> I do like when you're on the road. This weekend, I had some friends over for Mushroom Friday. We went swimming in my pool. We ordered food for ourselves. We ordered Postmates pizza. We were there. Uh, I didn't hear from you for two days, which can be concerning. Right. But I also try and remember no news is good news. Right. But I cleaned up after everybody left. You Some did. people late stayed. I was in bed by midnight. Everyone came over around six ish after we had our Bert scare. We're going to have to get that dog uh, <sighs> tracking collar because he got one for me too. He got loose. Oh, I'm going to We were don't so worry. scared we lost Bert and we had workers at my house delivering the rugs. We couldn't find him. We couldn't find him. We raced around the neighborhood. My bell was screaming, bird, 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 so many times it was overkill. And then finally, Brandon found him wedged between the property gate of our neighbors and some cement block. Poor bird. Yeah, and and he dislikes me so much that he wedged himself further through just to escape. Yeah, to get away from you. Yeah, he did. And then, yeah, so... Right into Mama's arms. We Right. He went right into my Belle's arms. <laughs> but we screamed and we screamed. And guess who didn't bark once to let us know that he was hearing our screams? Bert. Because he's an idiot. So this week's show is Sarah Silverman and me in San Francisco. We talk about a Harvard singing a cappella group a little bit. We talk about stand-up and my realization that I should probably start doing it again, which I now am doing it again. And we talk about female comics because girls aren't funny and that just has to keep being spoken about. Well, girls are funny now, so everybody needs to deal with it. I'm going to bring out one of my very favorite people in the whole wide world. 
And I know you're going to be very, very, very happy to see her. So please show your appreciation as I welcome my very dear friend, Sarah Silverman. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Thanks, y'all. We've been stoned together on a number of occasions. And the most recent one was a very odd night. We have a, I have a friend named Alec, and he went to Harvard, and there was an a cappella group. What is it, the Harvard Singing Group? Do you remember what they're called? No. <laughs> I know that the Yale ones are the whiff and poofs. Right. And they're the Harvard version of that. So it's like basically 20-year-old boys singing. And when he said he was seeing a bunch of guys that went to Harvard, I was like, oh, Sarah, we're single. There's Harvard guys there. And she's like, that sounds awful. <laughs> and I said, let's broaden our horizons. It right. could be cute. We'll be together. It'll be fine. And it was at some, like, store in Beverly Hills that sold perfume and men's clothing or something. So the yeah. lighting, it was, it was tricky. So I go to her house, we smoke a joint, we go and meet up with my friend, and all of a sudden there's just enough people to be awkward for us to leave. Yeah, there were, like, 17 people, so we couldn't <laughs> just be like, let's go. And then, also, it was, like, cocktails at first, and then all of a sudden the show started, and where we happened to be standing became the front row, because it was like... So we, there was no escape. No, it was the front row and it was bright lights. So the people who were singing were staring straight at Sarah and me, probably wondering, why are these two girls here? Well, yeah. We felt like child molesters. I was like, we have to get out of here. And then the singing's beautiful, right? I mean, if you're yes. into that sort of I like thing. A ni- I like tight harmonies. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a nice tight <laughs> harmony. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she's standing next to me and she goes... I go, what are you doing? Why are you getting on your knees? What are you doing right now? And, and she's like, we're going to watch them sing like this. And I'm standing next to her. So I get on my knees. So Chelsea goes. <laughs> but I'm just so, this is what, can I explain to you? When I get high, I love weed. And I don't necessarily get paranoid. But the one paranoid element is that when I'm high, I feel convinced that I'm taking up too much space. And so I felt like no one could see behind, like no one behind me could see over my giant presence. <laughs> so I tried to just make myself very small. And then what I realized as soon as I got down was that it put you in a very precarious position to be. So then you got down and by this point, my knees hurt so much. And then I get down and she goes, I got to get back up. You know, I just, <laughs> my knees hurt so much. And then I, you know, so. We made a scene by desperately trying to be inconspicuous. Anyway, that was our most recent outing. And then also how we met. We is met. that an interesting story? Is it? Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it is. I don't remember. Oh, I remember at the Haiti fundraiser, right? Yes, I do. We were both in the industry in the same business for so many years because and you never were, crossed paths. Never Not once. Really. And I just assumed you didn't like me because I always assume people don't like me. You know, I just I go with that. And that way no one's fucking disappointed, you know? <laughs> like I remember and, and then we would see each other at functions and I was too shy. Then finally at this thing, I just 
made myself go up to you. Yeah, you did. You came up and you're like, yeah. hey, Chelsea, we should be friends. I said, what? It's crazy. We don't know yeah. each other. That's so weird. Comics always know each other. Yeah, it was one of those moments where you have this protective guard, which I definitely had for so many years, where I was like, I don't need anybody to like me. I'm just going to do my thing. And just and you have this protective thing. And then you were successful before I was. I was in the comedy clubs and I saw you and you were somebody who was, you know, a big star. I'm a bit older. So when you said that, it's just such a great example of to be fucking nicer to everybody. We should all be reaching out and saying, hey, do you want to be friends? You know? And, and since then, we're great friends. It's just such a good reminder, especially girls. Like, we need each other. Reach out to each other. Yeah. Show up and be like, especially friends that you don't normally have, you know? As a matter of fact, then we did a photo shoot together, and she said, she went like this to my bra. She goes, what is that? I have the same bra, I, you know? And then she goes, I wear the same bra, but mine's not filthy. And um, I said, well, I have one that's like Caucasian nude and one that's black. And but that, the one that's black wasn't naturally black. It's just dirty. <laughs> but we wear the exact same kind of like support bra and we're the exact same size boob. And by the end of that shoot... I like somebody just went, ooh! A, with that piece of information, ooh, yeah! Comes her assistant with a bag of 40 of these. <laughs> and every bra I wear of now I have several <laughs> were given to me by Chelsea Handler. <laughs> Chelsea... <laughs> she tries to hide it, but she is a caregiver beyond anything else. And, you know, I was trying to, when I wrote caregiver, and then I go, is it caretaker? <laughs> uh, do caregiver and caretaker mean, that? Is it like getting the check, but it's like a bill? <laughs> All right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm deciding whether to, like, go a little deep or go or start. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't asking you. Sorry. <laughs> um... Because I loved your book and I learned so much about you and that changed the way I think. 
And I love when something changes me. And um, I just loved every part of it. And I think it's so special and can really not just let people learn your story. I mean, talk about like there isn't anyone you couldn't love once you've heard their story. You can even love Chelsea Handler once you've heard this story. But um, one thing that I thought was interesting is that your brother died on an adventure and that you are so adventurous. You're the most adventurous person I know and I wonder if that has anything to do with that in some weird way. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Sarah. I know, I'm sorry, it's not. No, it is. I wrote my own question. I've never I... thought about that. You know, I once went skydiving when I was 19 years old. I remember I came out to California. I was like, yeah, this seems like a good place for me to relocate. And I went skydiving and I had all these pictures and I had hid them from my father because we weren't allowed to do stuff. I mean, we could do whatever we wanted, obviously, but he, you know, because of my brother's accident, it was height, it was, you know, I, and I remember coming home one day, my dad had the pictures scattered all across the kitchen island of me skydiving, and his face was just like, you know, like he had been in a fight, and he was like, how dare you jump out of a plane after your brother fell off of a cliff? And I was like, it's time for me to go to LA. <laughs> like, but you know, the pain was so raw for all of us. It's almost like we had to get away from each other in order to heal because it was so raw and it was so painful to go home and be ignored over and over again and be desperate for attention that you had your whole life. And it totally explains my career and wanting to be, you know, I wanted attention, attention, attention. I thought what I wanted was a connection. You know, you get confused and you love the accolades and you love people. I just wanted somebody to ask me where I'd been all day, <laughs> you know? That takes me I'm to the Enneagram. What you talk about in the book is just being in motion and not being able to sit still. And then you took this, is that, did I say it right? Enneagram? Enneagram, yeah. So it's like this personality test that my doctor gave me. At first I was like, is this astrology adjacent? And he's like, no. And he basically came up, there are all these numbers that describe different personality types. And I'm a number eight, which is a fixer, which is somebody who goes in, fixes everybody else's problems, but never takes a look at themselves, which is exactly what I do. You know, I'll fix anybody's problem. I'll sit on your bed morning, noon, and night, and I will have as much sympathy as you need, and I will be the best friend and fixer. I'll throw money at any problem. I'll show up. I'll fly to Germany if I have to. I will be there for anyone. But as far as empathy goes, you know, I was lacking that. I was lacking empathy. The difference between sympathy and empathy is feeling sorry for somebody and actually thinking what it's like to be that person in that period. And he was like, you lack empathy. That's why you've had these issues. And so that was a big aha moment. And the number eight, which is the number I am in Enneagram. Do you know what number you are, Sarah? No, I don't. But I just think it's interesting because you share number eight with who else? Donald Trump. <laughs> and some other really big assholes. But luckily through my meditation, because Donald Trump's obviously not doing that, you can become self-actualized no matter what number you are. There are people who are not self-aware, who are not present, who are not conscious, which is what I was doing for 10 years. And to be able to go from that to looking inward and realizing everything that you realized is so incredible. But it is interesting to look at your early life, where you came from, and how you became this wildly successful, kind of like how Donald Trump became wildly successful, <laughs> filling an unfillable hole and constantly staying in motion. And it's, 
you know, he's never going to look inward because uh, I think if he saw, really looked at himself, he'd probably kill himself. But um, you just talked about how you didn't have empathy, but I beg to differ because when your mom was in hospice, you gave her the greatest gift you could give her, which was pulling cots in and being with your siblings and laughing and talking. And you say earlier in your book, and I'm wondering if you made this connection, and I guess it's not a question, it's just me pontificating about how smart I am from reading your book. (laughs) That I think that is empathy. You gave her her greatest joy, which you say early in the book, was to be peripheral to like what's going on, to not contribute She didn't want to talk, but she wanted to just be around the conversation and the happenings. And you gave her that. That wasn't a question, but I'm just (laughs) saying. It was a statement. It's funny because you talk about completely falling out of love with stand-up, but is that really... Well, by doing that and taking the time and being on this tour and going around to these cities, I was like, okay, I do want to do stand-up again, you know? So I am going to do it again. And for years, I was like, never again, never again, because I lost my joy, you know? I just was moving too fast. You know, there were too many huge moments I missed. But the answer to your question is yes, I needed to rediscover my love for stand-up, and it had to be my own idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, right, saying no. Right. If someone told you 10 years ago that in 10 years you'd be promoting a book about politics and therapy, what would you have told them? (laughs) Listen, I don't know this bitch either. Anything is possible. I mean, are you, aren't you surprised, or are you? Maybe you're the opposite of me, because we are opposites in so many ways. Are you surprised by the changes that you take in your career and the different things that you do? I mean, does it feel natural? Or is it intentional? Do you plan on it, or is it... I've never planned anything, and I never have thought of the future or, like, anything. I, so I... That's how I feel. I don't like to plan for the future. I just am like, well, let's see which way the wind blows, you know? Maybe I want to do that. I don't plan. I think it's more, there's a different kind of energy about it. you got to get hopped up about something, and then you get really passionate about it. Yeah, for like two days, and then you're like, oh, no, I'm not into that anymore. No, sometimes I do. Somebody um, asked me yesterday, they're like, are you, are you like, we're having a silent retreat. I'm like, no fucking silent retreats, okay? I'm not there yet. I'm not on the other side of things. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still normal. I don't want to be silent for three days in the woods. We're not so different. Like, I remember it. We all got awards or certificates for soccer in high school, and um, everyone got positive things, and then they gave me least popular on the van. But it was because I made everyone's life hell when they were, like, trying to sleep and everything. So specific. Least popular on the van. I have to say I I loved it because it was so funny. It was very creative and very true. You know, it's an interesting thing, and it's kind of what you brought up just now to asking me. But the one time I had, like, an identity crisis with comedy was the first time I had a my first special, because your first special is kind of like the accumulation of everything you've done so far and the best of it. And then that did well, and then I didn't know who I was because I couldn't do the same material anymore. So I had to write new material, but I wanted to please the audience and give them what they're expecting, which is to be surprised. And then how can you do that? And then I was so paralyzed until I realized 
comedy dies in the second guessing and you just have to start over and bomb and eat shit and lose fans and get new fans, hopefully, and just stay with reflecting who you are and hopefully who you are is always changing and growing. So how have your fans reacted? Have you felt a difference in your change and a change in them? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some people are probably like, oh, fuck, she's got off the deep end. And some people know, you know, this was an opportunity to share something good. I've spent my career oversharing and been rewarded for bad behavior my entire career. No, honestly, I mean, drinking and I wrote a book about sleeping around. And everyone's like, yeah, this is great, you know. And I'm glad I did it, but you know, I didn't realize how easy it had been for me, how easy my life had been, how easy it is to be white and pretty and succeed. And yeah, you can claim you have talent, anyone can have talent, and there are plenty of untalented people who are very famous and plenty of talented people who aren't. So it's really not about that. Another great thing from what happened was the election was it made me get out of my own ass. It made me look around and say, wait, racism, what is the fucking deal here? I'm an idiot. I'm a white person. I don't know shit about racism, you know? I'm part of the problem by not being educated about the problem. You know, I am complicit unless I, you know, I do something. And so it made me really recalibrate the work I want to do and the way I want to contribute and to be aware of everybody that is outside of my lane and that other people's experiences are unlike my own and to get to know those experiences so we can make change and we can stick our necks out for people that need us to support them and use our platforms for powerful shit. Okay, well, this sounds like a good time to take a break. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Who do you look up to in comedy? And, and is there anyone in particular who's made you feel better about getting more personal? I mean, let's just keep this from getting uncomfortable. Not including me. <laughs> I never really wanted to be a comedian. I didn't know that's what I wanted. I didn't, you know, again, it was about initially, and I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be communicating. I'm supposed to always just tell the story about what's going on with me because what it's going on with me, you know, I wrote this book. I thought I was telling my story. You're telling so many people's stories. We're all, all of us, you know, you can't get through 
the human experience without having trauma, without having grief, without having loss. It's just a matter of whether or not you've dealt with it. And a lot of us have, and a lot of us haven't, and some may never. And that's all right too, but it's, it's about wanting to move forward in your life and take leaps and, you know, and be grounded. For me, when people talk about spirituality, I was always like, oh, you know, stones and chakras and massages and healing and whatever. Um, but for me, it's about being grounded. It's about being awake and like, you know, being engaged with every fucking person you make eye contact with every single day. And, and I had lost my way a little bit with that. You know, I was just like taking everything for granted and, and, you know, not looking people in the eye and being rushed and everything. And so, so for that part to sit still, to get grounded and to be like, okay, this is it. Every interaction is about all of us. It's not just about me and my fucking paycheck. It's about us. And that was a wake up call for me. You know, I think a lot of us feed ourselves and our families and we want to take care of our kids. Who wouldn't? You want to take care of your family and you want to take care of yourself. And we lose our way with that because we're supposed to all be taking care of each other. And we now know it's a big fucking problem. <laughs> so, you know, the world's getting browner and gayer. So you just got to hop on the fucking bus. Oh, shit. Um, so the world around you, when Me Too happened and everything, how did that affect you? What, what kind of awareness did you have that that was a reality in the world? None. I had no awareness. I did not know that, I mean, I knew people who were sexually assaulted, but I had never been sexually assaulted. My friend Mary claims that I have and I haven't remembered, but I don't recall that. <laughs> She's like, everyone's been, Chelsea. She's like, of course you've been raped. You were just probably drunk. I'm like, I... I don't think I was raped. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, but um, I was really alarmed. I did not know that it was that rampant. I thought Harvey Weinstein slept with actresses. I didn't know that he was raping actresses, you know? What did you think? Were you surprised? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, the first penis I ever saw. I mean, I had, you know, it's funny because I mean, the first penis I ever saw was my boss when I was a waitress in New Hampshire called me in and, and I was so nervous. I thought I was in trouble. And then he was just like, you having a good time here? You, you know, just asking like dumb questions. And I'm 18 and I, I had never, you know, seen a penis at that point, except for like my dad's when I was three by accident. But um Adam Carolla has an excellent observation that everyone thinks their dad has a huge penis because they always see it when they're three by accident. <laughs> but, um, so true. That's about the right age. You do see it when you're three. I saw it again at six, and then that was the last <laughs> But so this guy was just asking me, like, these just nothing questions, and I didn't understand why. And then I looked, and he was openly, like, jerking off. And then... You know, I just went, I, I have to clean the popcorn machine. And I, I was choked up and I was embarrassed and I didn't tell my parents. And, it, you know, I didn't grow up, like we grew up with no taboos. We talked about everything. And it, so if that happened to me and I never told anyone and, and like internalized it and kind of blamed myself, then I just thought, well, this must happen all the time. And, you know, it wasn't until I was much older that I was like, wow, you know, I, I wish... Those guys don't do that to us now. They know their prey. They have an instinct of, probably not consciously, of like who they can do that to that won't say anything. You know, if they, he did it to me now or even like four years later, I would have been like, oh my God, 
Bobby just showed me his penis, you know, like just like started jerking up, you know what I mean? I would have exposed it, but there's, it is interesting that they have a sixth sense, a sixth, sixth sense, like six. six. <laughs> just like a sixth toe. They have a sixth sense. I guess it was another instance of me not being aware of the other stories that were going, you know what I mean? It's another kind of rarefied existence where I didn't fully grasp what was happening. I'm so disgusted, you know, and alarmed by it. And I'm and also embarrassed for myself for not knowing more, not being more educated, not knowing what that women are dealing with on a regular basis and how rampant it was. Well, when you started doing stand-up, I'm sorry, did you want to clap? Let <laughs> me just stop that. All right. How about um, the word problem? <laughs> I love you. The word problematic. Comedy is not evergreen. So I know I have stuff in my life. Do you have stuff that you've done that you would look at now and say that's problematic? And how would you deal with that? How do you... Oh, I think now we are in a period of high red alert and overcorrection, but it's necessary because people abuse their power. And there's no evolution. We can all change our jokes. There's still funny shit happening. It's not like the only funny stuff is to make fun of people who are in marginalized communities. There's other funny shit going on. We can make fun of rich white guys now. Let's get that party started. And isn't it funny how horrified they are? How it's like, oh God, you can't even be a white male. I was like, no, 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 you can't. It's just, hey, I have a sense of humor. You know, it's so, it's just so odd. Well, they say, I read somewhere that it was like, equality feels like, equality feels like a loss because it feels like something's being taken away from you. So people, white guys, old white guys are like, whoa, 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 the party's over? It's like, like, I can't fail upward anymore? What the fuck? Yeah, I can't just grab pussies when I need them? It's like, no, no, that party is over. You find a new party. Even just like in the comedy world, you know, I think there are, first of all, I just want to say I have a lot of white male friends and I like white males. But there are some, you know, writers and stuff who are like, I can't even get a job anymore. No, yes, you can. You might have to be undeniable like the rest of us have had to be to succeed, you know. And that's a good thing. I think that you should be thrilled about that. But it's hard for them. This divide and conquer thing that the man has put on us and that we've believed for so many, it's ingrained in us, it's systemic, you know, that like the success of one woman must come at the failure of another. It's just, it's, just, it's not true, you know, but when we bond together, we're gonna do something the man fears very much, will be a force, you know, and that's, I think you lead the way with that. You start your book talking about infantilizing yourself. Your success has made you into an infant where you have several, had made you into an infant, where you have all these assistants, you don't know how to work a fucking single thing in your house. And it's interesting too, now reading the rest of your book, hearing the rest of your story and going, she didn't have the parenting she needed because of tragedy in your family and you had to become the caregiver, caretaker, Late stage companion. And then you become successful because you're filling this unfillable hall. And you get power and you get 
assistance and you now know don't have to do for yourself Mm -hmm. and that makes you atrophied in a whole new way yeah it makes you atrophied and I remember you know I know that feeling of like you know when I started Chelsea lately and I was thank you thanks and I remember walking to the stage, one of the first shows and the EP and the, uh, my executive producer's walking and then there's a guy on a walkie, the stage manager, who was like, she's walking, she's walking. And I was like, oh, this is good. I like this, you know? <laughs> like everyone's paying attention to me now. Everyone has to know where I am. I have to be here at a certain time. I have to be in hair and makeup. It was like I created a life where everything was done for me so that I had finally parents in my mind. Everyone on the show had to take care of me. And so I could be the boss and the baby at the same time. And for me, that feeling was like, I loved it, you know? And then eventually, of course, I got sick of it because that's not what I was looking for. And it's not that I don't like to do what I do. I do like to do it. But I, again, it was the connection that I was missing. You know, the attention, the attention, the attention gets you nowhere fast unless you are connecting with other people while that attention is happening. Yeah, because there's... It's real, but it's also not real. It's their survival is you because, you know, they have to take yeah, care of you. Yeah, and so you start to feel like a mama bear and you're like, oh, and I'm a fixer, I'm a number eight. So that all lined up. It was all making sense. And, you know, for a few years it was great and it was wild and wonderful. And then eventually I got bored because I will grow bored with anything. When you are injured like that, everything's a Band-Aid, everything. And it's not that you're trying to fix that, but you're just trying to ignore it and move on to the other fun stuff, you know? And I had a lot of fun too so I always was like well I'm having a great time there can't be anything wrong with this behavior I mean look how happy I am (laughs) and it was nice to say all the things that you're kind of thinking about yourself but you're scared to tell anyone you know you're like hey I do some stuff that I'm kind of questioning I need to tell somebody about it but you can't tell anyone (laughs) until we figure it out and uh so it was a great a sort of awakening moment to learn about myself and have somebody insult me that was like I was paying, you know, t- telling me, not insult me, but somebody telling me negative things about my personality or my shortcomings that I was paying. I was like, this is a great exchange and trade of information. You know, it's not an opinion, it's a professional. So it felt right. And it felt right to share because this is great. And then I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be like on my apology tour. Like, am I going to have to make amends like people who go to AA? And I was like, you know, because I ended so many friendships or relationships because people did me wrong or they did something I found upsetting and I would just scorch earth. And he said, no, that's your blueprint for a breakup. That's how you think relationships end because that's how the first relationship ended. And now that you know that, you don't ever have to do it again. And I never will. But it's not an apology. I mean, listen, you grow and you change and you've shared every step of it with people. And even though you go, I know you're not belittling your old books or your old work, but you go, oh, it's just easy. But what you might not realize is like, that gave so many women keys to their own freedom, you know, and uh, something that felt easy for you. And talk about what this guy said. I mean, it's, you also while you were scorching earth, were illuminating so many female voices. I mean, there are so many women comics I know from your show, you know, and that so many people are aware of from your show. You championed, you produced, you know, and it's, 
it, it, you really have lived by example. So this may be an apology chore, but people have a lot to be thankful for for you. I don't Thank mean to you. be sucking your cock you. so hard. And I'm sorry you had to look at my back all night. That's so terrible. We have to wrap it up. We're almost out of time. But I wanted to just read something from my book before I go. All right. These bracelets are called I Decide bracelets, and the T-shirts are outside. All the proceeds, all the proceeds go to LGBTQIA youth. So pick one up, give it away. It's going to a good cause. And it's I Decide is from a part of the book that I'm going to read to you guys. I didn't know then that my brother's death was defining me. I didn't know that I had the ability to say no to being defined by death. Now I was with a person, Dan, who could help me process what happened and turn the parts of me that acted like a nine-year-old into a self-actualized adult who had come to a better understanding of what it means to dig deep and admit that you're in pain, thereby beginning the process of relinquishing that pain. I was in a place where my brother dying no longer had to define my existence. It's part of who I am, perhaps the biggest part, and it may have helped steer me in a certain direction, but it is not all of me. I define me. No event or person does this. I define me. I decide who I am and how I'm going to behave, and I choose to be better, to look more carefully, to trudge deeper, to think about other people's past and not judge someone for doing or handling something differently than I would. To understand my limitations, my shortcomings, that is my growth edge. To know I'm going through something and not try to keep circling around it, hoping to avoid it. Go through it. Sit, experiencing, and feeling it. Not running. To understand that things take time and to be okay sitting with my pain. Not to rush through life, hopscotching over or around it. No one is fully cooked. No person is complete. I decide to be better. You can decide too. Thank you, San Francisco. And thank you, Sarah Silverman. That was a fun show because my sister and my niece were there. How did that show differ having a comedian on stage with you? It was so nice, actually, because Sarah knows how to command an audience. So it was nice to be up there with somebody who felt as comfortable as I did being in front of that many people. And it felt like she was going to take, you know, when you're on stage with another person and it's your show, you feel responsible for everybody. With her up there, I felt like... Uh, you were sharing responsibility yes, if she could keep yes, up? Yes, yes. Even though it wasn't her responsibility, it felt like we were sharing responsibilities. And um, I always, you know, how I feel about Sarah Silverman. I respect her a lot. I added new stand-up dates. I added some places I've never been before, but I added... So right now... I start touring again on October 4th in Brisbane, Australia, Sydney, Melbourne, Auckland, New Zealand. And then on November 11th, I come to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Grand Rapids, Vancouver, Milwaukee, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Salt Lake City, Go Mormons, Oklahoma City. I've never performed there, but Karen's from there. And Toronto. I'm coming. I added more dates. I have 14 new stand-up dates, everybody. So come and see me. My book is called Life Will Be the Death of Me. I'm on my stand-up tour, and I have Accountable.us page for anybody who wants to be more socially or politically active. I have lots of things on there that can kind of lead you in the right way to take action. Okay. Brandon, what are you doing this weekend? Whatever you're up to, girl. One big circle jerk. Bye-bye. 
The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. It goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Life Will Be the Death of Me is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.